you cats and kittens, it's us, Respawn Aimfire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast from Affable Idiots. I am Chad Michael Innes, and we've got here on the other side of the screen Holden McGillicuddy, Fart Knocker DePardo. All real names of mine. It's true. And we've also got the dreamiest fan base of all time joining us from all over the world right now, just like Dallas, who says in the chat that he's pooping. Uh, guess what, everyone? Every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, you can put us in your ERs with your favorite podcast service. Or put us in your IS for, by searching for Responding Fire on YouTube. That's right. We've gone into the third dimension with 2D video. You can be as loud as the hell you want. If you want to add the fourth dimension of time, you can do that by watching us record it live on twitch.tv slash idiots every Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Like we're doing right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Affable Idiots, and we will tell you about that a little bit later in the episode. But before we talk about all sorts of shit today, like the Harry Potter RPG, like next-gen shit, like $70 games, I want to know what you thought, Holden, of The Last of Us Part 2. So I finally played Last of Us Part 2. I basically beat the game in two sittings, just powered through it. You text me and said you only stopped to eat your poop. Yeah, only stopped to eat and poop, which you misunderstood as eating my poop. And I am adamant I did not eat my poop. Well, two birds, one stone. You wasted very it. Very clear. I did not eat my poop. <laughs> uh, that'd be a good recycling method, though. You know, um, very good for the environment to eat your poop, or so I'm told. Thanks, Credit for <laughs> teaching us that. Um, so, last was part two. I beat it in just under 19 hours. Um, and even though I didn't feel like I'd rushed it, it feels like everyone else... That's so quick. Every Everyone yeah. else in the world took at least six more hours than you. Yeah, and I, again, I was not rushing through it. I, there were a few moments while playing it where I would get into this combat encounter, and I thought it would be more thrilling to run away from it. Like at Hillcrest, where you're, you have all the houses to kind of go in between. You're going from house to house. I just kept getting caught and dying. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to run for it. And that ended up being an exhilarating sequence of like, oh my god, there's someone out there. Shotgun really quick. There's a dog. I have the axe. Hit it quickly. Then run this way. And Before craziness. before people freak out, we are not spoiling anything in this right now. Oh yeah, we're not spoiling anything. No I'm spoilers very, whatsoever. Very vaguely. I think me saying I was at Hillcrest and that was a thrilling experience is the most I'll get into what happens in the story. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, but overall, I think that Without saying anything about the story, it is a deeply profound story, and not just because it's a video game, but because it's a deeply profound story that makes you question a lot of things and look at the world in, in a different way. And then the gameplay reinforces the themes of the story in such brilliant ways that I don't think... Like for all the spoilers that like are kind of out there, I don't think it's possible to form your opinion based on the plot points on their own. I, you, this is a game that that must be played to really understand what it's going for, because the message ultimately comes out down to how you feel while playing the game and the emotions that are evoked within you to the point where I I don't know if I want them to make a Last of Us TV show anymore because I think it's going to be lost in translation and I, I just i don't know how this message could be conveyed in, in in as impactful a way as it was in the game um i sent my dad a like a five minute like video of the game 
and I, I don't want to say what part it is, other than that there was a car involved, and I'm like, just check this out, Dad, because this is crazy intense, and I have never seen a game pull off this kind of intensity, and it's not like it's mimicking a movie, which so many games mimic a movie right. to be intense, and this was, it was its own thing, and it works in its own way, and the first thing my dad said was, Jesus, this is so fucking insanely violent, like, I'm actually really concerned for you. <laughs> <laughs> for like you know enjoying this game and i'm like no, no 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 you don't get it like it's supposed to make you feel that way that like uncomfortableness and we got into this huge conversation just about like what it means to be art and how art evokes emotions within you and that's when i kind of realized last of us part two i think has reached that point where video games can stand up as their own medium in storytelling as opposed to just that cutscene was really good. Wasn't that cutscene great? Oh, God, the acting in it was really good. And that's true in The Last of Us Part Two. but it's just how the gameplay and the storytelling all intertwine with each other. And it's hard to talk about this game without spoiling it. Because yeah. I feel like in order to really get to like why I feel this way, I have to talk about the, the, the plot details of the game. So we're going to do another spoiler chat for this game so I can kind of share my thoughts uh, on the story and all that. But I thought it was... It was incredible. I have some problems with the pacing. Um, I thought it was oddly paced at times. There's definitely some issues there, but none of that outweighs how impactful the game itself is. Um, I can't wait to talk about this more in depth when we can... No, no, nothing holding us back. We could just say everything. I can tell you what Hellcrest, uh, Hellcrest is. Hillcrest. I can tell you what it is. I don't have to just say it's a place. I'm so um, happy you liked it. <laughs> yeah like part of me incredible. your your noble delay of getting this game is something that i do not have the willpower to do but in my head i started to equate it with holden not purchasing this game it means holden's gonna hate this game <laughs> i don't it was just something that i made up in my head but so to, to hear you to have you text us uh, a couple of times yesterday telling us about like where you are and like very 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 vague feelings on the thing i was like thank god he likes it thank god he likes it <laughs> and yes for um, any of you who are who are interested in hearing more about holden's thoughts uh we are gonna have a second spoiler cast we decided it's worth having another one for a couple of reasons one we're gonna be able to get holden's thoughts as someone who was spoiled on the game purposefully yeah. who actually sought out and, spoilers before the game came out and i told you what i knew before i even played it and i i knew a lot going into this game yeah i knew quite a bit so we're gonna get that perspective uh, there were still surprises but yeah we're gonna get the perspective of a couple of other of our friends the last one we had six people on uh, a bunch of people from across the the internet and our lifelong friends community and so we're gonna have now an opportunity to get even more perspectives on the game with this second round of chats so look for that in the coming week ish is half yeah we can have two weeks sometime i gotta reach out to some people figure out what the date's gonna be sometime in the next amount of days that you can count on your fingers and toes if you are a standard <laughs> human being hold on is that all that you played this week the last of us part two i mean i played last of us part one as well oh that's right you did you, but you didn't finish it yeah I didn't finish it, yeah. So the story is, so I did the whole like you know boycott of the game, and I was going to play it on July fourth on Saturday. That was my plan. And then uh, Thursday night, I got to no, sorry, Thursday night, no, fr it was Friday morning. I got to the um, whoops, music just popped up on my computer. I got to the part where it was winter and you're with Ellie. Oh, that spot where and they make like, you think Joel's oh, dead. And then I'm like, oh, I'm playing as Ellie. This is so great. Um. I wish I could play as Ellie in 
Last of Us Part 2 because I know you play as Ellie in, in that game. And you want to what? Fuck it. I'm going to connect my Ethernet cable to my PS4 and just buy it a day early. I'm proud of myself. I've, I've waited long enough. I can do that. <laughs> you did your two weeks. <laughs> I did my two weeks. Yeah. And honestly, it wouldn't have mattered whether you bought it on Friday or Saturday. They both would have counted into the same weekend sales. So This is true. This is true. Yep. Yeah. Just more and more feeling better about your decision. I can't wait to talk about this more in depth, though. Like, I have this, like, oh, I got to talk about every part of this game. Oh, I know. Like, I, I have know. so much to say. That's part, part, uh, of, yeah. part of what got me through this game was being able to talk to other people while I was playing it. So, mm-hmm. like, being able to stop at a moment and text Matt or text Dallas and say, where are you at? Have you gotten to the, the swimming part? Are you swimming yet? Text <laughs> me when you're swimming and let's talk. Uh, so being able to do things like that, like, being able to talk to people. Immediately after Jerrica finished it, she texted me, and then we had a conversation about it. It's like... That's what really got me through it. And I don't know if I was in your shoes where like you didn't talk to any of us basically about any of it. I would just be like bottled up. It's like, I need to talk to someone, please. (laughs) (laughs) I think also knowing what happened from the leaks helped with that. I was kind of thinking in my head like, ooh, plot plot point X just happened. And I know plot point Y is coming up at some point in the future. Ooh, how is that going to? And I kind of knew I had that kind of foresight um, because of it. Um, I think that helped, but I can't. I can't say anything. We we got to move on because I'm just too tempted to, to talk more in detail. So, we got to move on. How is Beat Saber? Beat Saber is uh, just as good as Last of Us Part Two. Let's talk Before about Before we it. moved on to what I played, since it's happening, we will acknowledge it. Holden is shrinking slowly into nothingness on our stream. Uh, he is working on Wi-Fi instead of Ethernet, dude. Oh, he's back to normal now. Okay, great. Um, so you might have that happening throughout as he kind of shrinks and and less bandwidth and more bandwidth instead of pixelating for some reason skype decides I'm, it wants to i'm a to very flexible person i can just conform to all shapes and sizes there you are it's just there you are it's just like it water it's going on hold us just like water <laughs> so uh playing some more beat saber i've started to flirt with expert plus which is uh insane god you are getting so small um <laughs> i've started to flirt with expert plus <laughs> Based on a video, this is really what I wanted to mention, just to tell everyone how famous I am. I put a video of me out there. I was talking to Matt a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, I've been thinking about, like, would it be interesting for people to watch me play Beat Saber? Because as I was playing, I was like, I feel so badass. I bet people would love watching this. And then I think about, like, no, I probably look like a doofus. And then Matt was like, dude, I would love to see it. I would love to see how, because I'm terrible at the game. I would love to see what a pro looks like playing it. So I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And so I, I haven't videoed myself playing it since it basically came out. And so I did that playing uh, um, two Panic at the Disco songs on Expert on Faster Song Mod. And I was hoping that I could get away with like copyright stuff uh, on YouTube and on, um, not YouTube, on Instagram and Twitter by having the Faster Song Mod on so that they wouldn't recognize the song that was playing. And it turns out that worked. Anyway, so I posted this video of me playing. It was super fun. I was dancing along with it. And then it goes crazy. Beat Saber retweets it. And then it's like, right now I think it's at like 28,000 impressions on Twitter and like 8,000 views, like people who have actually watched it. I was like, that's insane. That thing just blew up. And then Beat Saber actually reached out to me and said, hey, can we use your video in an ad campaign on Facebook? I was like, yes. Will you shout out my podcast while you do it? (laughs) And they were like, sure. So if you're on Facebook and you see me just bopping away to some Panic at the Disco... You're welcome. So I played that. <laughs> but everyone's really here to hear about... Everyone's really here to hear about Iron Man VR, Holden. It has been a few weeks since the demo dropped for this game. The full game just dropped this weekend. 
And um, a lot of what I said about the demo still holds true, but we are 100% ready for PS5 when it comes to VR content. <laughs> there, are, there are two things about this game that we just, we need PlayStation 5 for. One is the ability for it to load in textures and things faster because uh, even just the game as is, running on a PS4 with that architecture in mind, I feel like if it were able to keep up with me turning around, it would be able to have higher res textures. Like since these levels that I'm playing in, these sandboxes that I'm playing in are so vast, sometimes the textures, especially as they start to get further away, have to be really pixelated and kind of jaggy. Uh, whereas if they had a PS5, they could load in the high-res textures only in your 100-degree cone of vision really easily. But this game suffers from such pacing issues, and a large part of that is just the loading times between cinematics, between gameplay sections. It is... Another reason for PS5. A hundred percent. It is... There are... So you load into the game... And this is to be expected with even a lot of games. Like you expect it's going to load in. It's going to take a while to load for the first time. It takes about 90 seconds to two minutes to load the game. But it has little, like little tips that you can kind of go through to read to keep you busy. But eventually you run through those and you're tired of reading them. Uh, and then it loads into like a cinematic, a little opening scene where you're in the Stark mansion and you're bopping about, teleporting from point to point all over the house, like picking up pictures and throwing them like you do in VR listening to recordings or answering phones, all that regular-ass VR stuff. And then something happens, and they're like, oh, we need your attention, and Friday starts talking. You're like, cool, it's going to load a Friday cinematic. Screen goes black, it loads for about 30 to 40 seconds, and then it comes back on, and it's like a little pre-rendered scene. You're still in the middle of it, you can still look around, but it's still like a little pre-rendered scene with Friday talking to Gunsmith, and they're talking, oh, giving you context and story. And then it goes to a loading screen. It just goes dark. What's weird is that, like, often it's just dark. There's not even, like, a loading symbol. There's not... It, oh, and it's VR, just that's very weird. Right, because your eyes don't have anything to focus yeah. on, too. So your brain is just like... Um, and then it comes back up, and then you choose your mission, and then it goes to a loading screen. And it does the 0 to 100, and it goes for about 90 seconds every single time. So there's just an all-black screen, which is essentially loading in a loading screen, which then loads in the level you're going to play. (laughs) No, usually the all-black one is in between, like, gameplay, like, like explore segments and then pre-rendered cinematic segments. And then there's, like, a full-on loading screen going into a new level. Okay. Yeah. Um... So that fucks with the pacing a lot. And when we're finally running this on PS5 with instant load times, that's going to help a lot more. Um, but we are, we're still at the point where playing the game, however, feels really, really good. So flying, you're, you, the whole game is basically five-ish, I think I've had so far, out of the eight chapters and a couple of combat zones and, and time trials. It's five little playground area, sandbox areas. One of them's in Shanghai. One of them is in Malibu. One of them is the helicarrier. And it's just wave after wave of combat drones. And you're just taking out drones left and right in interesting ways, with different weapons, different types of attacks. Uh, and there's like a thin layer of story kind of woven throughout that. But what I really wish this was instead was literally just five different locations with Iron Man combat missions. 
and not trying to weave the story in because the story is where it totally fucks the game up. It's not. It's it's a pretty good comic book story. It it's Ghost is the villain, which is the same villain from Ant Man and Wasp the movie, um, and it's Ghost kind of doing the same Iron Man thing where you used to make weapons for bad people and now you're gonna pay for doing that. And Ghost is just taking advantage of the technology and turning your drones against you and that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's a, it's a pretty good story, but just the fact that it is told through those cinematics that take forever to load, and sometimes even the dialogue takes a moment to load. Like, you'll load into a cinematic, <laughs> and you're just looking around your room, nothing to interact with, you're just looking around your room, Gunsmith is over there, like, doing whatever the fuck he does, and Friday's over there just, like, leaning against a globe, and then about eight seconds in, somebody will start talking. And you're like, oh, okay, that's what we were, wait- we were waiting for them to start talking. And sometimes even between lines, there's just like a little more hesitance than you want. So the story itself is getting in the way, mostly due to load times. Whereas the gameplay itself is fun. And because the story is in there and is trying to be woven throughout, it makes me wish that it was more than the, basically the combat challenges and time trials that it actually turns out to be. And I wish it was more of a game. Whereas had they just pitched it as... Here's a lot of really cool shit to do as Iron Man. Here are a few different experiences. Shoot shit. That would have been fun. Like a shooting gallery game as Iron Man, I'm all in. Um, so I feel like we're ready for PS5 when it comes to this for sure. I'm playing Everything, it. yeah. Everything you said, I'm just thinking like, man, PS, PSVR on PS4 is going to look like a joke once we oh, get to yeah. PSVR on PS5. It's going to be like Blackberries. They were smartphones. Blackberries were smartphones. They were. You could go on the internet. You could sm- check your email. Yeah, I think it's how we're going to look at PSVR. Not, and I don't mean that like in a derogatory way. It's a necessary stepping stone to what's going to come in the future. But like, it's going to be funny when we get that comparison because, I mean, when you look at just from a PC VR standpoint and kind of what Oculus has been able to do, what Vive has been able to do, what Index has been able to do, um, things like look so sharp and that kind of stuff. But oh man, everything you're talking about, it's like yeah, the the horsepower is going to be great like we have in the PCs, but that SSD that's going to change everything because then you can weave this this. You could do something where like. Iron Man is doing a mission, he flies down, lands into his house or whatever, and then immediately starts a cutscene, and that interaction, and that fluidity is going to make VR feel so natural, whereas like now it sounds very disjointed, at least in this specific Iron Man VR example. Yeah. So I'm excited. I, I, I'm still going to play the rest of the game. I just beat chapter 8. There are 12 chapters, so I just, I'm about two-thirds of the way through. Uh, the combat, as I mentioned, is fun. There are a whole host of different things. Like you can get micro missiles, sh- homing missiles that shoot out of your arm. Uh, you can get an auxiliary gun, like a shotgun out of your arm. You got Unibeam coming out of your chest. Uh, so you get a lot of really cool weapons. You can customize, you can build out different loadouts too. So you can have like, maybe I want homing missiles on my right fist and I want the machine gun on my left fist. Actually, I just did those backwards, but it doesn't fucking matter. So you can have them, you can like customize which weapons are on which ones. You have the repulsors on both palms. You can choose whether you want a stronger Unibeam or maybe you want it to recharge faster instead. There are a lot of different skins, which is cool. So there's a lot of customizability that goes with it, and uh, you can build your loadouts a little differently. What I'm not a fan of, however, is the progression system of these things. As you as you beat the, each chapter and each time trial... You pills? You, <laughs> you do. You just pick up pills. Non-stop pills. <laughs> um, so as you beat each of these challenges and chapters, you're ranked on a five-star ranking system. So how fast did you beat it? How much health did you have? Did you use any continues? That kind of stuff. And then you get one token, basically, to redeem per star that you get. So the better you do, obviously, the more tokens you get to redeem on stuff for your suit. But the problem I have is that 
it's not really an upgrade system. It's more of a choice system. Like, you unlock missiles, you unlock the machine gun, you unlock the shotgun, you unlock Unabeam, but you don't make them better at all. And all of them cost the same... Everything is five tokens to unlock. So right off the bat, I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm ever going to use the shotgun thing, but I love the missiles. I'm going to use those. I love the machine gun. I'm going to use those. And I unlock them right away. And then they don't get better over the course of the story. I keep accruing tokens, but I don't want anything else because I got what I wanted. And so uh, the only thing that I'm unlocking that I do like is the different skins, the different out like coloring uh, that you can have on your, on your Iron Man. So yeah, the upgrade system to me is is a little broken, but uh, I like the customizability of it. What I do like as well about that system is there the trophies are tied to unlocking different skins for Iron Man. So, like in order to unlock the ultraviolet skin, you have to kill fifty enemies with Unibeam. So it's and they they explicitly like earn trophies to unlock these skins. So it kind of gives you a little bit more of a reward for trophy hunting, which is cool. Uh, so I like that aspect. And in fact, I am trophy hunting. I am probably going to get the platinum trophy on this. In fact, I'm playing through it on hard mode just so I don't have to play through it again. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm enjoying it. It is not a showpiece for PSVR. It's not it, like if somebody comes over and they've never had VR before and you want to show them something, this is not by any means what I would recommend throwing them into. Um, but it is still, if you have a PSVR and like me, you, you haven't picked it up in a while. In fact, most people probably don't pick it up that often, but when they do, it's a great experience. This is worth picking up. It's 40 bucks rather than a full 60. Um, and if you can deal with the load times, it's still a fun time for sure. But definitely play the demo. If, if you play the demo, if you enjoy the demo, it's a lot more of that. So that's what you're getting into. I hope when PS5 comes out and you go back and play this game, you literally don't even see the loading screens. I don't know how that would work from like how it's coded and how if it would allow for that, but I really hope that's the case. I think it would make going back to experience like this and you could see it in a new light and maybe enjoy it more. Because it sounds like you liked it, but then that kind of was the main thing that got in the way. Yeah. I would honestly say 15 to 20% of the time that I've played in this game is loading. Oof. Which is a long time when playing a game. Yeah. There are times when I'm literally just standing there and I'm bored. I'm just standing there looking at the same 12 tips that I've already read. And I'm just looking around. And I get my phone out. I pull the visor up. I was going to say, yeah, you can't usually pull your phone out in VR. But I guess the PS4 makes it easier because you can just flip up the visor. I forgot about that. It doesn't flip up, but it pulls out. Not enough for oh, Face ID right, to work, right. but enough for you to just like be able to peer down at your phone. <laughs> Instead of us an alternate appearance, sometimes I'm going to do face ID with this huge <laughs> mask on my face. <laughs> but I've already got the alternate appearance with my mask on. It's just okay. It doesn't work with the mask on anyway. It doesn't, no. <laughs> but that's it. That's my impression of Iron Man VR. I might say a little bit more as I beat it probably before next week, but little tease for the future. Trevor Bettis was on last week along with Steven Dutzman. He and was. Uh, he told us how he got Ring Fit Adventure. And I... Uh, did you get it? I came to terms with the fact that I am not going to be able to go back to the gym for the next six months, at least. So you, so you got Ring Fit Adventure? So I paid a scalper 20 bucks more than list price. Whoa. <laughs> you really got it. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I, I tried a couple of times using Wario 64 on Amazon, but by the time I was able to get in, put it in the cart, log it, like it was already gone uh, multiple yeah. times. So I was like, fine, fuck it. I'll go on eBay. 
everything I saw was like $140 for used. I'm like, nope, not going to do that. And then I found a guy who was selling it. He lives in California, so it's going to get here really quickly. Um, he was selling it for 100 bucks new. I was like, it lists for 80 I was like, I'll get it. It's worth it. Tax on it would have been, what, 8 or $9 anyway, and then it's only like 12 bucks mm-hmm. for the hassle. So fuck scalpers, but I got it. It's going to be here Wednesday, I think the shipping information says, and I hopefully we'll have impressions of that next week as well. It's just going to be like a picture of it that was sent to you. He's like, I wasn't selling God, right? Ring Fit. Like, <laughs> I'm excited for you to try it out because because you are a, uh, I'll say a, a fitness enthusiast. I think your perspective means a lot more than mine. Yeah. Who I have it, and I just I just hate working out because I'm so out of shape, and that's the reason to do it. And I just <laughs> like no, but I. I'm so sweaty and gross afterwards. It's, it's disgusting. Like saying, I'm so thirsty, oh, but I, I hate drinking water. Yeah, I don't want water. Exactly, but I'm so it's thirsty. It's the exact same logic. <laughs> <laughs> it's counterproductive, but like it makes sense when you're fat and pudgy. <laughs> yeah, when we, when it was first announced and they showed the gameplay video, I was kind of harsh on it. I was like, it's it's too much to be a casual thing, but it's not enough to actually be a fitness tool. I think is kind of the the idea that I had going into it, but. It is 100% more than nothing, which is what I've got right now. So, we'll see. Mm-hmm. It also, I'll say just for me, it really is a surprisingly good workout. Yeah. But I'm also not like doing CrossFit and that kind of stuff. So, I'm curious that's kind of where you come in, if it does feel like a workout or not. Or if you're kind of like, I'm just pushing this stupid piece of plastic together. <laughs> and this, isn't, this is nothing. It for sure, so it for sure will not replace like doing... 250 pound squats or doing snatches or yeah, cleaning drugs. Yeah. Like it's not going to replace that, but it, I, I am optimistic that it will, it will still allow me to get a good strength workout in mm-hmm. versus right now. My workouts have been going for a walk or doing beat saber, super high intensity. And like, that's good cardio, but like, I'm, I'm not getting stronger anywhere for that. It's not a quest like Ring Fit Adventures. It's a quest right. and a journey. That's right. A journey. Speaking of journey, let's take a little journey through our quest log. Holden, we're going to start with our fetch quests, ones that don't have a lot of meat to them, but they're worth mentioning. So we're going to talk a little bit about them. First of all, the Harry Potter Rupaga RPG to be revealed after DC Fandom. It says Michael Ruiz at Duel Shockers. There's, so there's this, this rumor around. We've already seen some leaks about the game. Fifth year Hogwarts student, blah, 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 blah. We're finally going to get an announcement, it seems, after the DC Fandom, which is August 22nd. Not happening August 22nd. The fandom is. And then RPG will be after that. It says Jason Schreier. I cannot wait. I cannot. At this point, we know it's real. Unless that was the best faked video ever. It has to be real. I just want it. I want it. (laughs) Brent says, that's it. A 50-year-old Hogwarts student. (laughs) Yes. 50-year-old Hogwarts student. Gross. I'm playing as Professor McGonagall, although she was probably like 70,000. Um, next up, Dreams gets a VR update in July, says Matt Kim from IGN. Sorry, I have the itchiest nose on all the planet Earth, and it won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Yes, Dreams. VR has been something they've been talking about for a while, but whenever they spoke about it, I always interpreted it as you can, like, build your 3D models for your characters in VR using, like, the Move controller to sculpt it. But it is actually, you are creating VR games using Dreams, which I feel like is going to be huge because that's a, a lot of things that people talk about, like developers talk about, is that creating VR games is an investment. 
it's a lot of new learning, a lot of new tools that people haven't played around with, and oftentimes they don't have the money to make it affordable. And then the distribution, you're oh, not yeah. going to make a lot of money with the smaller fan base. So um, this is huge to be able to get this into people's hands and hopefully be it, be really accessible. Have they talked about how this is going to transfer to PS5 yet? No, they have not. Other than it's a PS4 to. game and it will be backwards compatible. Watch just be like the one that isn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. I guess they did say something like everything April twenty or April twenty twenty and later will be for sure, but I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Niantic's next game is Catan World Explorer, says Ricky Fretch at Dual Shockers. So uh makers of Pokemon Go and Harry Potter Wizards Unite and it, it, what's the other one? The, Ingress. Ingress, the original one, Ingress. Uh, looks like they are going to just reskin the same game for the fourth time, but make it Settlers of Catan themed instead. Sounds great to me. I love Catan. Uh, careful what you wish for, because I love Harry Potter, and Harry Potter Wizards Unite was not good. <sighs> but I love Pokemon. I want to hear it. And it's pretty good. I want to hear Pokemon it. Pokemon goes pretty good. All that good. negativity around Catan in this house. <laughs> Speaking of negativity, fuck Atari and their new console, the VCS, <laughs> launching this fall, says Brian Shea at Game Informer. Mark my words, this will be the biggest console flop of all time, including the Ouya. Okay, I just want to also, this is, I, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> to be clear, I don't disagree with you. Also, this was supposed to come out March 20th, and this is the first we've heard we didn't, we didn't hear around March 20th, oh, we're delaying, we're not going to get it out to Christmas. Nope, March 20th, March 20th passed, and to my knowledge, based on what I'm aware of right now, throughout March, April, May, June, oh, guys, by the way, it's coming out in the fall. Really? You're, right. You're like, like almost four months late to telling us that it was delayed. <laughs> like, yep. Uh, I, yeah. And still, all we know is that subscription service you can pay a hundred dollars a year to to get access to atari games <laughs> a third-party <laughs> service to give you access to atari games they did announce that there will be a remake of some i don't know missile commander or something like that but it's still like a, a shitty atari game version of it um and it's coming out pre-orders will ship in october with others available later in the holiday and we still don't know any third-party games like nothing's coming to it all of these games that are being announced are all saying PS4, Xbox One, Stadia, if we see Stadia at all. But nothing says Atari VCS because it's a fucking and it's, joke. And that's the thing I think, too, though. You're right, but also, is it, is it supposed to run those kinds of games? They haven't even said. Which is an odd thing. Like, in television, for example, the Amico, we know that's not going to run those kinds of games. You know it's going for its own thing. We get that. Ooh, yeah, we knew that same thing. I've never heard of a game console announcement that I mean, including even Stadia, that says like, "Hey, this is the kind of game you're gonna be playing." That doesn't include that. Hey, this is the kind of game you'll be playing. Yep, is weird. The screenshots of the home screen of this features uh, twelve tiles, only four of which are filled. Yeah, it's just a bunch of blank <laughs> tiles. It's a bunch of blank tiles. Like, this game, just... this this pisses me off so yeah. much. I hate that this exists, and I hate that people are buying it. <laughs> I we so we when we posted videos on YouTube, I we I, I posted one that I guess was talking about Atari. I posted all of them. So one episode that was talking about Atari, one person commented like paragraph like defending it, 
I remember being so surprised, like, of all the things that we get comments on it, and literally the 150 episodes in her back, like, we uploaded, that was the one thing that was like, <laughs> so I was like, no, Atari VCS is, it's going to be great. That's because you know they have a Google alert for anything that mentions Atari VCS, and our episode popped up, because they want to know anything at all. They're like, y'all, I ordered this console, and I have nothing, <laughs> so please, dear God. And then when we showed up, they were like, no, you're wrong. I have similar concerns for our next Fallout our next TV show is in the works at Amazon from Westworld creators. Says Matt Kim at IGN again. Uh, I hope it's the Westworld creators. Rest in peace, Michael Crichton, who wrote the book. And not whoever was in charge of the last two seasons of Westworld. Nope, it's the, it's the show. Well, even creators season one of Westworld. I'm totally fine with those people. But as long as it's not season two and three of Westworld... It's the same same creators for all three seasons. Then I'm going to stab my eyes. Yeah, I, I fucking hate Westworld. I, I know you do. I know you do. Damn that show. Oh, it drives me nuts because, like, even in season one, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. There's so many plot holes, inconsistencies, character motivations. So I'm like, they wouldn't do that. There's no way they would do that. They know they're machines. They're not going to fall for them because they think they're people. They made them. They know that they're not people. Like, they know how their operating system works. Like, there's so much where I'm just like, this is so stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And I stopped at, like, the Shogun thing. Where is it May? Is that the... Who is, like, the... Is it May? Is that her name? Yeah. Who can Maeve. like hear everyone's thoughts or whatever? And I got to have I'm like, oh my god, this is so fucking stupid. I'm so done. This is awful. It's so bad. I so like, I heard they're making Fallout. I'm like, yeah. So I'm not gonna see that show. <laughs> I'm just not gonna watch it. I am. A, but then a, again, go ahead. Sorry. I'm I'm a big fan of Westworld season one. Season two was a struggle to get through. Season three, I wish I had never watched, but I did watch all of it. But I'm also notoriously not a fan of Fallout. It's a very brown game. It's janky. It doesn't run well. I'm not interested in the world. If there was ever a thing to get me into Fallout, I feel like this would be their only opportunity. Yeah, here's here's my fear is that I think you could make a really good Fallout TV show. But I don't see how West the how they handle Westworld could be applicable to Fallout to Fallout TV show. Like they can't have this overly complicated plot line with like multiple timelines that layer on top of each other for no reason other than just to confuse your audience that's it it doesn't actually offer anything interesting narratively as opposed to the last of us which does something non-linearly that's like interesting it makes you think and it had to be that way and like westwood's like yeah it's this way so we could have a twist and that was a cool twist wasn't it cool no it wasn't it was pointless and you wasted my time and like don't do that with fallout it would be a good like just linear story dude comes out of vault trying to find like if it's the plot of fallout 4 trying to find his son i'm holding nail clippers for some reason by the way. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it just okay. dawned on me that i had nail clippers there in my was hand a good like eight episodes hand. of this show last year where i was playing with nail clippers the entire time <laughs> and then i went back and listened to some of the audio and you could hear like the springy like <laughs> in the audio i was like okay i'm done i'm gonna, I'm gonna get those away from me <laughs> um, speaking of non-linear storytelling i'm gonna do my weekly duty and say holden watch watchmen you idiot I know, I know. You affable idiot. Oh, that reminds me. I have to say this because I think this is really... All right. Um, 
this is related to Watchmen. This is my weird ADHD way of thinking. Okay. Uh, you said Watchmen, and I said, I need to watch Watchmen. The reason I didn't watch Watchmen is because Mr. Robot was on, and I needed some time after Mr. Robot to take another drama seriously, right. which made me think, oh, man, the music in Mr. Robot is so good. The music in The Last of Us is so good. It's also the same composer, which is very cool. All right. I Just no longer to want I was to very happy to see anything... Uh in the last of a soundtrack i was gonna pull down my banjo off the wall and start learning some of the soundtrack but not anymore <laughs> just kidding not it's anymore great. it's great <laughs> next it, up well, he hasn't done a lot so it was kind of cool to see him go from like mr robot great thing kind of small though to like the last of us i'm like wow they must have really liked mr robot's music to like bring him on board for this because that's that's a big move anyway let's move on to ps5 rumor has it Adele says, <laughs> PS5 price, <laughs> release date reveal, pre-orders on July 13th, says Chandler Wood at PlayStation Live Sale. That is nine days away. That is eight days away. Today's the fifth, not the fourth. Yeah. Um, there might not be even an event where they announce this. It could just be something that's posted to the PlayStation blog. I There are two things that I, that, that I need to say about this. One, yes, it's time. It's time that we knew the price and the release date. Like, there's enough speculation. There are things that are like, oh, we're launching on November 19th, whatever the fuck. Like, we need to know so that we can start planning these things. Two, mm-hmm. if they launch pre-orders with a blog post and no advance notice and I don't get yep. one of these on launch day, I'm going to punch a gazelle. It's going to happen. <laughs> they need to say, hey, on July 13th, we're going to announce the pre-order date and starting on whatever the next Friday is or something like that, pre-order start i agree i would be so fucking pissed because i sleep in i i do that i like sleeping in and so i would hate for it to be like yeah it was announced at 6 30 in the morning weren't you up didn't you see it oh it's your fault you missed it like no it's not it's not my fault nope. at that point point. and 6 30 in the morning your time your time is 3 30 in the morning my time yeah and it's like i don't know midnight hawaii time what if people in hawaii want this mm-hmm god Speaking of things people want, my friend Pedro. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa. That reminds me. Sorry, I almost missed it. It's time for Summer Games Bet Fest. Chad, oh, do you have the thing? Because hey. I always forget the thing. Hey. <laughs> I forgot the thing. Do you have the little intro thing? I always forget it. I'm it's terrible. time for Summer Games Bet Fest. <laughs> Bet. That's right. It's Summer Games Bet Fest, where we take bets on summer's best game fest. Summer, Summer Games Fest, Summer, Summer of Gaming. The rest are best for bets. Bet. Bet. I almost missed it. I'm opening up the document right now. So uh, this time we're going to be betting on what the prices are going to be for both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. <laughs> we've talked about this before in the past. We've never put like a a hard you know price on it. And here's the thing. We can't do a range. We have to give the price point it's going to be. Okay. Are we pricing the disc model or the discless model? Just wherever the, the first skew is going to cost. Okay, and we're just PS5, right? Or is it Xbox as well? It, it's it's both, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I've had some more time to think about it than you, so I can go first if you want to ponder a little bit more. Unless you're ready, up to you. Go for it. All right, I'm thinking PS5, and it's going to be, I'm going to see it's going to start at $500. If it's like 499, that that obviously counts as the same thing. But right. if it was like 475, it's not the same thing. Um so $500 is what I'm thinking for PS5. And then I think Series X is going to come in at 400. I think it's going to undercut Sony by a lot. And they're going to take the hit. So I'm thinking 500 for PS5, 400 for Xbox Series X. Here's 
here's mine. And we are, we are counting all models, even the yet-to-be-announced Lockhart, which is apparently, spoilers, coming in August. Oh, you want to do Lockhart as well? Well, I mean, if we're doing digital-only version, we should, we should also do Lockhart. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Even though we don't even fucking know what Lockhart is. It could, it could be literally just an xCloud box. I'm going to put a You know what? Fuck it. No, we're not X. doing Lockhart. We're just doing what's been announced. Okay. Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5, digital only, both coming in at $399. You think both $400? All yeah. right. I think PlayStation PlayStation thought a little bit ahead of time, and they, they did the, we're not going to bundle the camera with PlayStation 4 thing, but with the disk drive. They're like, in order to keep the cost down to make our console the cheapest mm-hmm. that it can be, we're not going to put a disk drive in it. We will have that as an option. Like, you can buy one of the disc light in it, just like you could buy a camera later if you wanted it. But I think that's how they're going to compete. Yeah, so I, I'm i still really perplexed on how that's going to be handled. That's why I'm just saying, like, PS5, like, whatever the cheaper one is, is going to be $500. Because I still feel like there's this possibility that the digital, the, the less expensive version is going to be the disc one. And then for $100 more, you can get a a discless one with a bigger hard drive or the disc based one with a larger hard drive. And they're like, if they are hypothetically, it's two terabytes for the more expensive version, that's $600. And it's, that's the disc and discless are both at that price point, but you can't get the disc version or you can't get the digital version, anything less than two terabytes. I just, I feel like that's how it's going to be handled. One just for, um, just for, um, uh, GameStop and Best Buy and all these places, not to like, rock the boat too much by having a new generation start off with a digital one but then i can see them doing that to save money just like you said it's like i'm so caught between like where this could go it's kind of an unprecedented thing i I have no fucking clue but i think that ssd is why i'm thinking 500 dollars. that's going to be fucking insanely expensive just because of ssd i wonder this is starting a conversation that we did not intend but i wonder if sony is reading the tea leaves and is saying if both of these companies are reading the tea leaves and yeah. saying, GameStop's going to be dead in three years. Do we need to cater to them anymore? Like, do we need to start this seven to eight year generation off mm-hmm. on one specific foot, catering to a company that's not going to be here by the end of that generation? I wonder if that's something that's crossed their mind. I hear you on that. They also sell games through like Amazon like physical copies through right. Amazon through Target through Best Buy through so many other companies that I'd be curious to see what the share I don't know what the share is on if GameStop does sell predominantly more video games than Amazon and and Best Buy and all them as well I I don't know I'm thinking because of their financial struggles they're probably not and I think most people are probably buying their physical copies on Amazon still cuz it's still like a 50-50 split between digital and physical game buyers but i do think you're right that they're not thinking actively like we got to make sure gamestop's safe i don't think they're thinking about gamestop specifically yeah being safe um i don't know this is this is a very cool time though in gaming because this is definitely a turning point but to what extent i think we're still waiting on that yep but all that is besides the point to sum up I think PS5 is going to be at $500 and Series X is $400. Chad also thinks the Series X is going to be at $400, but we disagree on PS5. Chad thinks PS5 is also going to be $400. I said $300, $399, and $399. Correct. Yeah. Cool. 
Thank you. Go to the Twitter. You're going to put up a poll, right? That says, yes. Th- that's what our poll is now for best fat. Best yep. fats. Best, best fats. fats. Um, Pork Chop in the chat says he always has a screwdriver and he thinks the Xbox will be cheaper. <laughs> 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 I hope those thoughts are related. Uh- They're not. It- <laughs> He said the screwdriver thing when I was flailing around the... the oh, the nail clippers. Nail clippers, okay. yeah. <laughs> I always have a screwdriver when I record. 100% think the Xbox will be cheaper. That uh, would be really funny. Like, Xbox will be cheaper. Exhibit A, I always have a screwdriver when I record. Exhibit B. <laughs> My friend Pedro is to receive its own R-rated TV show from John Wick creator, says Jordan Biazzo at Game Ranks. Um... I'm blanking on what my friend Pedro looks like. That is... Is that the horse game on a train? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like a... It's like um. It's like a 2.5D side-scrolling game with, like, slow-mo shooting and stuff. It was at, like, a lot of Nintendo indie events. It looks like it's a crazy romp that John Wick would fit well with. Oh, it's got the banana. Okay, okay. I remember now. Yes, Um, that looks like it's a good fit for John Wick, for J-Dubs. I love John Wick. Love John Wick. All three of them. So good. That I don't really care for my friend Pedro the game necessarily, but I think I would just see the show just to see more of that really kind of tight action choreography that that, uh, we got in John Wick. But it has to have Keanu Reeves, and that's probably not going to happen. No, no, it probably won't. No. A little Yanni Kokoros over here. This game is getting rated. It's got... Well, it's Steam reviews. 10 out of 10 for Steam reviews. 9.2 out of 10 for crazy games. Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty good. It's a, it's um, a Devolver game. Audience rating 4.8 out of 5. Jeez. All right. All right. Um, Let's jump back into the quests. Horizon Zero Dawn. PC version is already a Steam top seller, says Zermanicon, at PlayStation Lifestyle. Bow down before Queen Aloy and her royal dinosaur robots. It's great. I'm glad that they are finding success already with Horizon Zero Dawn on PC. Because hopefully that means that it's just a bigger audience for these amazing games. Excited delight. And then Apple cancels some arcade games and strategy shift to keep subscribers, says Mark Gurman at Bloomberg. So it looks like as they were making partnerships with people, now that they're finding like what types of games keep people around, they're canceling partner canceling partnerships with people who are developing some other stuff and maybe trying to get new ones with. Uh, I think Grindstone is one of the ones that they mentioned. They're like we want more games like Grindstone, things that keep mm-hmm. people coming back. And Grindstone was a fantastic game. Ha, ah, fantastic. <laughs> Do you still pay for Apple Arcade? I don't. You Just because I mostly play threes on my phone. Which was on sale for changed. 99 cents this week. It's iOS. a fantastic game. Everyone should buy, buy that game. It's awesome. Jason oh. Schreier called it the game of the decade. I know he did, but he also, I'm, I'm not going to slander him by whatever I make up right now. So <laughs> 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 Let's move on to our Microsoft Quest log, Holden. There is a report that Microsoft is announcing Xbox Series S in August, says Matthew Cato at Game Informer. Um, the rumor is saying, or the report, rumor, whatever it is, the goddamn people are saying that uh, the Series S, or Lockhart, as it's been codenamed, was originally scheduled to debut at E3. Obviously, E3 didn't happen, but 
like the Atari VCS, we'll probably get an announcement in October that said, by the way, E3 didn't happen this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the word is on the street that the reveal is set to happen in August, which is after their first party games reveal. <laughs> I'm sorry, can we just stop for a second? Can you imagine if, like, May, Naughty Dog was like, by the way, guys, we're not releasing in February anymore. We're going to release in the middle of June. <laughs> that, used, that used to be the way games worked. I remember very vividly the game Sacred came out. It was, like a, it was a Diablo clone, basically. And Sacred, my brother and I read about it on the internet or on, I don't know, Probably not in a magazine. I don't know. We read about the game and we're like so excited. And it had a release date. And it was like April or something like that. And we went to media place. Is Sacred in? Is Sacred on? And people, the guy would like pull out his paper list of games that were supposed to be like, no, it looks like we haven't gotten it in yet. That's weird. The release is supposed to be blah, blah. He's like, yeah, so it's supposed to come in last week. And we would go back week after week after week. Is Sacred here? Nope. Game's not out yet. Turns out or we haven't gotten copies of it. And then finally, it was like two months late. But there was no communication about it at all just because the internet really didn't exist in that kind of way. And there was no culture around game delays. That's and interesting. Anyway, hmm. so back to the Microsoft Xbox Series S. Uh, this is rumored to be announced in August, which is, again, after the July reveal of all of the first-party games that are coming to Series X and presumably Series S. Um, what are your thoughts on... One, the, the continued existence of this console. Two, the fact that they're waiting till August. Three, I think we've mentioned this before, but oh, we have a bet fest about this, whether yeah. it's coming out this year or whether they're announcing it this year and releasing next year. So just let me let me know some of your thoughts. Yeah, so we did a bet. I bet that it's not going to be announced this year, and I. Th- it's it seems like I'm very wrong about that because <laughs> wouldn't there's be the been first a, time. <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. I think my favorite, like, wow, I was way off, was when I thought Metroid Prime Four was going to come out last year, and then like two weeks after I make the prediction, there's the whole like update on its development. <laughs> oh. um, so yeah, I've, this is this might be one of those. <laughs> um, so I feel like if this is going to get announced, first of all. We won't hear about the pricing of the Series X until they put it side by side with this device, right? Um, and from what I hear, it's in the rumors, it's going to be more powerful than you would expect, but it's not nearly as powerful as the Series X is. So it's definitely going to be a discrepancy there. And I think they'll get away with it just because of the the cross gen approach that they're taking, all that kind of stuff. But I guess I'm just really more curious than anything how they're going to position it because i already feel very confident and we know that i'm always right that this is going the series x is going to be cheaper than the ps5 so like are they going to have like a cheaper more powerful console than the ps5 and then a console that's even cheaper than that that is like even more for like what's that going to look like i'm just i'm very i'm very interested in that especially when you combine that with xbox all access and they've already said they're going to be taking that approach with next gen so you can buy them on a monthly plan if you wanted to I don't know, like, just the existence of this console just is, it's befuddling. I don't know what to fully make of it. I don't know what to fully make of it yet. Um, It's kind of those things, like, I will see how they position it. I'm sure they have a good thing in mind, but I don't know if they need to. If what I'm thinking is going to happen is that the Series X is cheaper than the PS5, why do they need this? Yeah, I think that's a, I'm I'm curious to see that as well. I think that August is a good, um, 
is a good window for them to talk about it for the first time, mostly mm-hmm. because it is it is after the first party games. They've shown third party games. They will have shown everything running at its best on Series X without having to say at the same time, this is how these games will differ on Series S. They don't have to worry yeah, about that messaging that's because a good point. they can show it as powerful as possible on next gen hardware, and that's all they have to worry about. And then two or three weeks later, they can say, by the way, you can also play those games on this cheaper console without having to talk mm-hmm. and, and kind of in the moment say, it's going to look shittier or it's not going to have these features or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. So it's a smart move to have it come after that. But I think you're right. They they can't announce price on Series X until they have this announced as well. And they've, it's got to come as a both kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Speaking, speaking of, of new games, though. Yeah, speaking of first-party games, Microsoft renews Fable trademark amid sequel rumors, says Jordan Oleman at IGN. In a new trademark filing on June 26, Microsoft claimed Fable as an IP they have and intend to use. Um, As past rumors have suggested, the new Fable game will be developed by Playground Games, who previously worked on the Forza Horizon series. Uh, Curiously, at the same time, they have a new at Fable on Twitter that leaked and has one Microsoft employee following it. (laughs) And then they also have uh, (laughs) at Perfect Dark Game was also registered at the same time on Twitter. There was someone, it wasn't Phil Spencer or anyone big, but there was some kind of Microsoft executive that came out and said, hey, by the way, we file trademarks all the time. It doesn't mean anything's coming. It could just be them saving face and trying to like downplay the rumors, or it could be them just like literally setting expectations like, y'all, Fable's not coming. I I think this is them downplaying the rumors because the whole intent to use thing is interesting. I didn't know this. I knew that companies could file patents all the time. I knew that. They might not use them. Very aware of that. I never knew there was actually a checkbox on the patents that it literally says intent to use. Check next to it. Yeah. So I feel like that's a pretty good sign. There's been a lot of rumors about this. It's a franchise I think people want to get back. It's also considering the niches that Microsoft would have to fill in their first party lineups this would definitely be a niche to fill in there, like a really good RPG. Fingers crossed here, and there's already counter evidence to debunk me here, but I'm going to do some wishful thinking anyway. All right, go for it. I love that it. This, this game is going to be the first like really big next-gen exclusive game we see running on Xbox as like a first-party thing. I'm just thinking big open world, SSD benefits you know, from that. I think RPGs in general are really going to benefit from, from that SSD. And that'd be a really good way of saying at this event, hey, we know we're doing cross-gen stuff. We know that those Sony-exclusive next-gen games look fantastic, but this is what we're able to offer in, in lieu of that. And this is coming out holiday next year, just when they're starting to remove that exclusivity from Xbox One games. That's what I'm hoping for. But, and I'm just recalling off the top of my head here, I'm pretty sure something about the rumors has said that it's going to be a cross-gen game between Xbox One and Series X. But I feel like that's a missed opportunity. This could be a really good way for them to demonstrate how the SSD on a Series X, as well as the raw horsepower, can kind of work together. Yeah. So, we'll see. I'm really interested in whatever the future of Fable is, because obviously, like, action RPGs are my fucking jam um but i haven't played fable since the original we are playing it again this month as part of barf that's our backlog accomplishments with respawn and friends we posted the poll on patreon and all of you patrons voted but everyone is welcome to play it it is on xbox game pass um i was looking up like playground games did they also do the canceled uh fable legends but no fable legends was the that's the asynchronous one from lion's head studios that got shuttered lion's head is no more 
Mm-hmm. But I wonder, I wonder, like, did they have stuff from that game that they could use? Like, that was canceled, I believe, last year. Is mm-hmm. two to three years enough time for them to take in some stuff that they learned from that, apply it to an actual open-world RPG, and have that shipped by holiday next year? And I think so. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We also have Summer Game Fest demo, <clears throat> not related to our Summer Games Bet Fest. <laughs> uh, event comes to Xbox One July 21st, says Ricky Fretch from Dual Shockers. Uh, this is a really cool event that I wish we see, or I hope we see more of in the future. It's going to offer a bunch of demos for unreleased games for one week on your Xbox starting July 21st. And it's a lot of games. Um, most of them are indie titles. There are a couple of big ones out there like Destroy All Humans, uh, Skateboard, Skatebird people are really excited about. Uh, I know Dusty's all about that Skatebird. Um, Haven was another one. Anything else on this list here that you want to you wanna call out, Holden? I don't recognize any of them except for Destroy All Humans. It's the only one I recognize. But I love the concept of this so much. And I think in, with E3 being gone, these demos existed whether E3 was going to happen or not. So yeah. they might as well do something with them. Uh, and I think that's just a great idea. And I, I honestly, I want them to do this This with Halo. I want Sony to do this with like, uh, you know, hey, like, I mean, hypothetical situation, E3 doesn't happen. They have like an event in the past that obviously were past already. Um and they show off like a demo for Ghost, and you can download like a 15 minute demo of Ghost of Shima. That'd be like the E3 demo they show off. Like, I think that's a great way of, of advertising a game. Because I feel like there's so many games that I have played that, like for Bar, for example, that I'm like, you know, I wouldn't have played this game otherwise, but I'm glad I did because when I got it and I felt it, I enjoyed it. Obviously, the opposite can happen too. But I, I just feel like that, that is something that needs to happen more. I think the, the concern might be that people will download the demos and find a way to hack their PS4 or Xbox One to keep them forever and even though they don't want that to happen. Yeah. But I kind of feel like, is that really a problem? Is it really? I don't know. Who knows? But I'm excited. And I feel like the fact that it is a timed week, like I I will set time aside in my week to play these things. Like knowing mm-hmm. I have to play it between July 21st and July 28th and there's X amount of demos available. I feel like that's this is gonna be this gonna bring a little bit of that E three hype to it. It's like I need to set aside time for this week. Maybe I'll take off a day of work, or maybe I'll set aside evenings on a couple of days, and I'm gonna just play through a few of these games. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. It creates that that fervor around E three in a way that has been lacking and missing this summer. Kind of. Next, there's been some good announcements. Uh, there's been good announcements, but there hasn't been that whole like this is a week full of good shit, and I'm excited to like anticipating it. That's that's true. That's true. PS5 versus Xbox Series X. Phil Spencer, quote, feels good about Xbox Advantage, says Zermena Khan at PlayStation <laughs> Lifestyle. Here's a full quote from Philly. Philly D. <laughs> says, quote, just being honest, I feel good. I felt good after seeing their show. I think the hardware advantages that we have built are going to show up as we're talking more about our games and frame rates and other things. I thought the games lineup that we are going to have at launch I thought the game's lineup that we were going to have at launch I felt really good about, and we got more clarity on what they're doing at their show, which just helped us focus in on on more of what we have, and I think that it will be a strength for us at launch. Continuing on, he said, So I thought they did a good job. I thought they do what they do very well, and they did that. But when I think about the position that we're in with the games that we're going to be able to show and how they're going to show up and the hardware advantage that we have, I think we're in a very good position. After that really uh, lackluster 
GDC conference called the Road to PS5 that uh, Phil Spencer mentioned some similar comments about um, their decisions, feeling comfortable and good, like reaffirming their decisions that they've made so far as well. Thoughts, Holden? Yeah, I think my thoughts are honestly they're pretty much the same that they have been from the beginning. Um, I, I've kind of said I've had concerns about like the PS5 um, power difference between the Xbox Series X, even though obviously the SSD is faster. Um, it's I still kind of feel the same way, and I think feels much just kind of saying that without saying that, which is the benefits of the SSD when it comes to third party. I'm not talking about PS exclusive PS5 exclusive games. We know there's going to be crazy benefits there. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Third-party games, it remains to be seen what those benefits are going to look like on third-party. And I think it's more likely that we'll look at Xbox Series X games as... the uh, Xbox, ver- Xbox Series X versions of third-party games as the superior, in quotes, version of, of the game. Um, just because it's, it's going to look better, uh, the ray tracing and audio effects might be stronger just because it has more graphical power to work with. Um, and I think he's right. I think they are in a good position for that. It's when we get to the first party stuff where it's like, yeah, Sony's going to look great and run better uh, on their exclusive games. But that's going to be, I think I did the, I did, looked back and there are like only 18 exclusive AAA first party Sony games. Actually, and second party. It's like Blood Over War, the course of PS4. Example. Over the course of PS4. Yeah. So, like, if you, there's probably going to be more. So, we'll say there's 25, right? There's going to be 25 games that really benefit from that SSD. And that's going to be awesome. I cannot wait to see how, like, Naughty Dog uses it, for example. Like, holy shit, it's going to be breathtaking. Um, but I, I think that Phil Spencer's got that point that third parties are going to look better. He should feel comfortable about that. But the part where I'm like, I don't know, you have to prove yourself here, Phil Spencer, is the first party games. He's like, I f- he says he feels good about the games you have coming up. Like, okay, you got to show us that, though. Because it's been, you've shown so much hardware stuff, and I get it. It looks really good. What does that first party lineup look like? Especially you've bought all these studios or created new studios. I believe in you, but you got to you gotta play your cards. Yeah, you got you to gotta show up with something other than State of Decay 2. That's something yeah. other than Crackdown 3. Something other than <laughs> Seasons and Forza Horizon 4. Uh, no, this Hey, don't knock those Seasons. <laughs> they, are, they are everything. They're no, everything. This, is, this is big talk, and it carries a lot of weight with it because of how good PlayStation 5's reveal was. And this is really what he was kind of mentioning, his response to the reviews. Like, yeah. hey, I feel good after seeing what they showed off. And that was a strong showing from PlayStation Mm-hmm. So to see him say, walk away from that and say, yeah, no, I feel good about our games that we have. I feel good about our hardware and, and our ability to like, he's got, he's got a lot to live up to. So I'm really hoping that we have in the next, I think, what is it? July 23rd or something like that. Whenever their first party event is in a few mm-hmm. weeks. Um, I hope they blow us away. I absolutely hope they blow us away. And like, I know we've talked at length about like, they won't, really be able to show us with their first few first few years worth of games because they're going to be cross-gen and all that kind of stuff whereas playstation can take full advantage of ps5 but i think you're right with the third party stuff obviously they're not going to show us at the xbox event this is what it looks like on xbox and it looks so much better than the playstation version because they're not going to show playstation versions at their conference but to be able to see permission to do that exactly (laughs) they're never going to (laughs) better Um, or worse but but to see something like third party looking close to what we saw at ps5 i think will be enough Mm -hmm. to show and even the marketing campaign and it worked the marketing campaign that they used for xbox one x meaning like plays best on xbox one x or like the the definitive way to play, I don't remember what it was, but I think it's play plays best. Um, if they can come out and objectively say that and not be like lying and false advertising, 
then I think it's going to go a long way with winning them a lot of gamers because of the third-party support. Mm-hmm. Although, counterpoint, while yes, there were only 18 to 25 PS4 games that were first-party that really took advantage of all of that, when I look back at this generation, those are the majority of the games that I think about as like standout experiences this generation. I'm just throwing that on the table. No, but I think I'm, that's a I'm very pumped. good point to bring up. Yeah. I am pumped. And that's definitely where Microsoft needs to yeah. have a leg up. I guess I was actually thinking about, I, like, especially after playing Last of Us Part 2, I'm like, I have cried twice while playing games. Last of Us Part 2 is one of them, and the other is The Last Guardian. So like, I cried like eight times playing just The Last of Us Part 2. <laughs> oh, I didn't say I didn't cry multiple times, but like a game that made me cry. Gotcha. I cried many times <laughs> while I played Last of Us Part 2. Um, I've only cried during two games, and they're both been PlayStation games, and they've both been PlayStation games on PS4. That is a lot to live up to. I cried on the sidewalk outside thinking about The Last of Us Part 2 <laughs> outside of a Walgreens. <laughs> <laughs> today my mom was like so you finished the game last night how was it and i was like telling her the ending and explaining it and i started to cry while telling her like what happened in the game she's <laughs> yeah. like holy shit that must have hit me like it hit me so hard yeah um yeah so i think that that's where microsoft needs to prove themselves but honestly, i i trust phil spencer so far he's been transparent he's been honest he has been open about where the faults were on their like uh, he talks pretty openly about how xbox one's introduction was was a flop like yeah he doesn't usually use the harshest language while describing it like i would but he definitely is honest about like what happened there so i don't think that he's just saying this for marketing purposes uh, most companies are pretty suspicious that when they say something, it's for marketing purposes. I, I don't get that vibe from Phil Spencer. So if, if he's saying he's feeling good here, I trust him. And I'm. it makes me more excited for kind of what they're going to show off. Because you're thinking about like the whole lower expectations for next generation games. It's all going to be crushed and stuff. We've kind of learned that's really not going to be the case. Right. We know there's going to be like Resident Evil 8, for example, is going to be like a next gen only, you know, um, game. We're Bug hearing snacks. about next gen only games. Bug snacks is cross gen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the most relevant game, no matter the conversation. Yeah. Um, that going back to the, the third party, there's a lot of third party games that are going to be next gen exclusive. So there's a lot of opportunity, this next event for Microsoft to say, Hey, these are, all next gen exclusive games, even some third party ones. Here's that Resident Evil 8 trailer again, and people can maybe start picking it apart and like comparing it. Like that conversation is, has yet to happen, and I think that it'll be very interesting to see what happens when it does. Yeah. Speaking of like of trusting Phil Spencer, if you think about it, this is really the first time that he's able to show off a whole host of things that he's been in control of. Because Mm -hmm. for the last few years, as he's kind of taken things over, it's really, he's continuing to push out the door what what came before him, all the games that came before him that he didn't really have a decision in saying yes or no to, cleaning up, canceling games that shouldn't be coming out. And then this is really his first opportunity, like, I've acquired these studios, I've created these studios, I've said Mm -hmm. yes to these projects, and these are the first ones that you're going to get to see from me. That's really exciting. You want to know what? That's a great point to bring up, because it immediately makes me think of... Uh, Steve Jobs and Apple. I've been an Apple like devotee f- since I was a child. Like I'm baby baby. I've a always been baby an Apple baby. Like the tiny a tiny infant baby. version of a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and when Steve Jobs left and Tim Cook took over, you know, I was very skeptical. 
like everything that happened i was like i don't know this isn't what i enjoy and blow this is ridiculous but it was that transitional period where you're kind of going from like what steve jobs intentions with the company were to what tim cook's intentions with the company were and there's a kind of like awkward few years figuring that out so like that's kind of where we are with microsoft like you have crackdown 3 and ugh, like (laughs) like that but you have game pass and you have things that clearly are related to phil spencer and his vision for the company but you're right now we're in that total tim cook era or total phil spencer era and i like the tim cook era of apple a lot now i used to not be as on board with it but now that I've kind of seen what his vision for the company is, I'm like, yeah, that's this is a great direction for the company to be going in. And again, like so far, what I've seen of Bill Spencer that I've liked, I've really liked that the bad stuff has really been the leftovers. Yeah. Also, the best TV show of all time, The Leftovers. I do need to see that show. I honestly want to see that show more than Watchmen. Watch Watchmen because it's ten episodes. You'll get through it quick, and then you'll appreciate the leftovers for what it is. Moving on to our Sony Quest log. PlayStation Indies Initiative revealed nine games to be announced today, says Joe Scribbles and IGN. This is uh, basically the first big thing we've seen from Shuhei Yoshida since he mm-hmm. moved from Worldwide Studios to his new position uh, in the Indies program. There's been a, um, a couple of new things about this. One is that new indie games will be added to PlayStation Now, the streaming service, every single month under the program. There's a quote from Yoshida that says, Bug Snacks. Yep. And then uh, there were nine games announced as part of this new PlayStation Indies initiative as well, including Fist, colon, Forged in Shadow Torch, coming to PS4, Maquette, coming to PS5 and PS4, Where the Heart Is, coming to PS4, Creeks, coming to PS4, Heavenly Bodies, coming to 5 and 4, Recompile, coming to PS5, Carto, coming to PS4, Haven on PS4, which is one of those games that you'll also be able to play on Xbox One later this month as part of that event. And then Worms Rumble coming to both PS4 and PS5, which is a Worms game, the the traditional Worms game you're familiar with, in a Battle Royale setting. (laughs) I'm excited about this. It's nice to see them still taking indie seriously. I think that, I think we had even talked about how PS4 was an indie machine at the beginning. Like you can get all sorts of great indie games. It's a great place to find indie games. They're really propping up indies. And then Switch kind of took that spotlight away. Mostly because Sony didn't really seem to need it anymore because they had a great library of, of AAA games. And we're kind of thinking, oh, the PS5 is now going to be like the AAA, you know, monster machine. And I'm really glad that's not that is true, but it's also going to be good for indies as well. That That's good to hear. Some yeah. of these games are exclusive to PS5. And then bundling with PS Now is even better because indie games are so experimental and unique that you kind of want to play it for a little bit and go, okay, this isn't for me or this is for me. And yeah. then move on to the next one. So this is a this is a great idea. I guess exactly how it should be should be handled. It's great, and I think calling back to the launch of the PS4 as an indie machine, like it's it is time again. We have another launch coming up. We have a few really big games we're looking forward to, but we need something to fill the void. So let's ramp back up our indie efforts. Uh, mm-hmm. So I feel like that was very very purposeful, and I I wonder if going forward every generation launch we're going to see another big spike in indie support, which I'm sure we will. Yep. Yeah. Let's use indies right now for this one moment, and yeah. then we'll hang them out to dry. <laughs> hey, don't worry. We'll need you back in a few years. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, they don't hang them out to dry. That was speed. That's not true. <laughs> Sony is reportedly trying to acquire the company behind Warframe, Gears Tactics, and other popular games, says Mike Williams at US Gamer. Spelled Williams, but I've decided he pronounced it Williams. 
in order to bolster their investments in the Chinese market, which again, in the last like two years, this is the first time they've ever been able to sell consoles in China. So uh, in an effort to kind of bolster their their investments there, Sony's looking to acquire Liu, or is that a V? I can't Leo. tell with a little, okay. Uh, Leo Technologies Holdings Limited. Uh, the head of SIE in Shanghai says that the censorship only allows them to release 30 or 40 games in the region per year, as opposed to the hundreds of games that they release in different regions around the world. So they want more content to be available in that market in China. So hopefully by purchasing this, they'll have more to distribute. This is really great because from what I hear, people love Warframe. Gears Tactics, although it's not my type of game, I've heard is a really good strategy uh, tactics game. Um, so it'd be great to have something in their corner for that market in China. And I'm curious too, does this mean that in China, because this is all about China specifically, I don't think that Warframe would become like a PS5 exclusive no. game going forward or something like that. But like, do they... Do they just do this as a publishing arm kind of thing? Like, hey, we're going to just publish a lot more games in China, even if it's not exclusive to our console, because we need that revenue to make just working in China worth it. I they're publishing it, they get a larger percentage of the revenue than if they were on, on, on a larger set of games. I'm seeing this as a China will not let you release the game unless it was developed in China or developed okay. by a Chinese developer. Um, with with limited exceptions. Like they said right now, like we can release 30 or 40 games. Everything else has to come from China. Similar like, there's the big, you were speaking of Apple. There's the big thing in India where like, you're not allowed to sell iPhones in India yep. unless they're made in India. Like I assume this is that same type of thing. So Sony's buying a presence from China to develop things okay, in China in order to be yeah. able to sell more things. Hmm. But like you said, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna make any of these like third part, like third party exclusives now on PS5 only. But I do think it's just gonna be. We need more Chinese developed or Chinese published things in order to survive in China. I think I'll maybe because it's like all right, for like Last of Us Part Two, for example. No way that's gonna be allowed to release in China. Yeah. No way. Just just for. The, the the social aspects of the game alone like the fact that ellie is is a lesbian and abby is transgender that alone is just gonna make it not allowed in in china stupid but that's just the reality that country is dealing with um that yeah so i think they have to make games specifically for it i'm curious though like are they going to be then in that case games so specific to the chinese region that they wouldn't even really bother to release them elsewhere like i'm, I'm very curious what that's going to look like because China's market is very much its own thing in a lot of ways. Yeah. I don't know. And, like, content is made. Like, movies have, like, specific cuts of a movie made for, like, China. Where they cut certain things out of the movie right. to make it appropriate or add additional scenes um, to make it, you know, more accepted in that region. Yeah, it'd be very interesting how that, that works out. I don't know. And it's going to be like, like Demon's Souls, for example, was kind of seen as, like, a Japanese game. The Americans wouldn't want to play that because it's too difficult. Right. And then it turns out that that's not true. Like Americans that's really the want to play that. Only type of that game Holden ever game. wants to play again. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and, God, I can't wait for Demon's Souls on PS5. It's gonna be so good. Um, but it ended up that it we did want it in America, and that has I think really influenced a new kind of form of game kind of popping up, and that kind of uh, we'll say 
a good form of cultural appropriation that worked out to the benefit of everybody. Are we going to start seeing that from China? Where like there's games where it's like I don't know, people are going to want to play those Chinese games because they're so much different. American audiences wouldn't want that. And then like Atlas decides, well, we'll publish it and put it over there. And it does like how how much could that influence gaming culture in a really positive way because i think that's the kind of the cool thing about video games in general is that of every form of entertainment it's probably it, it not even it is the most diverse from a cultural perspective i mean yeah. think about movies it's hollywood how many people actually watch foreign films not that often no in fact people complain all the time i have to read subtitles never watching that <laughs> exactly that's not a thing with games I have played games from Japan, from France, from Canada, from the Ukraine. A metro is from the Ukraine. Like, all over the place. I can't say that about movies. So this is actually exciting just for that cultural aspect as well. Those games are specifically for China. How could that really positively influence our our culture? The other end of the spectrum, hopefully it doesn't lead to more censorship of games. Yeah. <laughs> because they need to make it more palatable for everybody. But, um, yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see play out. Good point. Next up, Sony's secret San Diego studio. Lots of S's. You all know that I just took out my Invisalign during the days now, and you're trying to make me lisp. <laughs> Recruits former Naughty Dog artist, says Brianna Reeves at PlayStation Lifestyle. So there's a rumor that claims that there's a super secretive team, Sony San Diego, and they're working on an Uncharted game. Ooh. But uh, the only thing that we've really heard is that they are looking for... There's a job listing looking for a lead character artist to usher in the, quote, next chapter of cinematic storytelling. So this is actually referencing a job listing from 2018, from April 2018, and Zach Oliver, formerly of Naughty Dog, made his transition in June this year. So this job went unfilled for two years. I wrote that poorly. They're just two separate instances. Gotcha. Okay. One's a character, uh, one's a uh, lead character artist, and I think Zach Oliver does. He does environmental design. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. but just kind of like the reason people think that Uncharted is this is an Uncharted game is because of that listing for lead character artist saying the next chapter cinematic storytelling. Oh, cinematic storytelling! It must be Uncharted because that's and the pinnacle gotcha. of cinematic storytelling. And then, and then someone from Naughty, they Dog, hired the Naughty Dog guy, and it reinforced the rumor. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, so we we know that Naughty Dog is done with Uncharted. They've put an end cap yeah. on Nathan Drake's story. But yeah, I'm sure that this is if Sony internally is saying, you know what, we we want to keep making money from Uncharted, and San Diego says they would love to make one. I'm sure there are people at Naughty Dog that are just like, you know, we might be done with Uncharted, but I still really liked that kind of stuff. I really want to continue developing jungle, like I want to continue the work that we did in Uncharted somewhere else. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's totally, totally plausible that people could be jumping ship from Naughty Dog to there to continue to work on Uncharted because they like the series. I don't know if I'm sold that this, like, next chapter of cinematic storytelling and then one person who also happens to work in an internal Sony studio <laughs> means yeah. it's Uncharted. Um, but I'm excited that it's, Sony San like, Diego is making something thinking. that's new. Like, it's a, it sounds like it's going to be new for them at least. Like, they need a lead character I, artist. Someone to make mm -hmm. their lead character. I would like to... I, I don't honestly want to see another Uncharted game. I just don't need it. I'm good. I got it. Uh, I to, to be fair, though, I wasn't a really big fan of Uncharted 1, 2, and I stopped playing 3 in the middle of it, but I loved Uncharted 4. But I'm like, I'm good. I don't need any more Uncharted. Lost Legacy was fine. It wasn't a bad game. It was fine. Um, But like now that I've seen, like I don't know, like there's something kind of... I mean, it's because I just played Last of Us Part 2, but like I want to see more of that. 
I want to see more of a game that's really good storytelling that's not exactly fun in the traditional sense. I want to be challenged by games more often. That's what I want to see. If the next chapter of cinematic storytelling is the next Uncharted game, that'd be a big letdown for me. I can't believe you also, just dissed Uncharted Lost Legacy and Uncharted 3. Just like casually <laughs> just throwing that out there. <laughs> I only dissed Uncharted 3 because I stopped playing it because it was a waste <laughs> of my time. <laughs> but Lost Legacy, I finished it. I, I wanted to beat that one. Um, for the yeah, record, I, like, I, I love s- all of those games. And I, I think Lost Legacy <laughs> is one of the top two Uncharted games. On the record, Chad's a better person than Holden. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I, I want to see this kind of, like the the Naughty Dog style of storytelling in games applied to like a detective story or something science fiction or like I want to see a different style, a, a different genre in that style of game. That's what I want more than anything. And if they're doing that, I'm all for that. I think that's awesome. But we need yeah. to see what it is. But if the job listing's been since April 2018, this might not be that far away. Could be soon. Yeah. Speaking of could be soon, you'll never see another Nintendo Direct. (laughs) 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 Moving on to our Nintendo Quest log. Nintendo speaks candidly about Directs. Hence, they might shift to a new format, says Chris Carter at Destructoid. Uh, Coming from Nintendo president Shintaro Furukawa, uh, because of the times change, he believes that there is a chance that a new, better way to present this information comes about. Uh, what the hell does this mean, Holden? Uh, are we? Does that mean that every Nintendo Direct ever planned is not coming out? Does it mean that they're just going to reinvent how they do things and now they're just going to like send paper airplanes all over the globe and people find them in trees? <laughs> what does this mean? This means two things. One, um, hashtag Holden's always right <laughs> because I made the <laughs> prediction that... Hey, this mini direct, it's really just this precursor to this really amazing huge direct we're gonna get. And then like a, a few weeks later, it's like, yeah, they're never gonna have any more directs ever again. Womp womp. So here's my highly likely prediction what's gonna happen. I got no fucking clue. And it's not just because I've been wrong about directs in the past. This is a I think this is an example of Nintendo zags when everyone else zigs. Like Nintendo does Nintendo Directs. And everyone's like, great idea. Let's go that way. Nintendo's like, yeah, it was a good idea. <laughs> but like we have a much better way of doing it now. Uh, I have no fucking clue what they could do. Um, there was an interesting point in the article that, you know, you used to have Reggie Fizume and Shigeru Miyamoto and Satoru Wada as like these people who could present these events or these directs and have a personality to it. And the people they have now just don't have that camera presence that like Reggie Fizeme had. Right. So it's harder for them to pull off that medium. That makes sense to me. But does it mean we're going to get more like Paper Mario style stuff or just like New Day, here's a random announcement? I don't know. I just I can't foresee them not doing directs. I can't see them announcing Breath of the Wild 2 gameplay not associated with a large event of some kind. Event in quotations because direct's not really an event, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I would say this I'm is so confused. This is the the one area ever in anything video game related that Nintendo always leads in, and that is yep. like they made the decision years ago to go digital only in this format. They perfected it over several years, and now Xbox and PlayStation, like I still don't feel like Xbox has has perfected this or even caught up to what anything <laughs> Nintendo does. No, their inside Xboxes are so awful. Their the state of play's already lapped them. Yeah. Many times. Um, State of Play has been pretty good, and then PS5 nailed this last thing that they did with the PS5 reveal. 
but Nintendo's just been doing this for years. So it's really like if this is something that I trust them to have something better up their sleeve, this is the thing that I'm going to trust them with. If it's like we've got the best system architecture and the greatest online subscription you're going to want in the world, <laughs> fucking no. No, I don't believe you at all. <laughs> I'm very curious of what this means, though, and I'm wondering whether this is paired with the fact that they don't have announcements for now, so they have a little bit of time to breathe and figure out what their next move is, mm-hmm. or whether we are not hearing about things that we should be hearing about because they don't know how to announce them anymore. Like, do they have a slew of things? Do they have the Mario Anniversary Collection? Do they have Metroid Prime Trilogy? Do they have Breath of the Wild 2 waiting and they're gonna like they're coming in September they're coming in August they're coming in October whatever it is but they just like we're done with Nintendo Directs for some reason and we haven't figured out the next one yet um I don't know but this is the one thing I trust Nintendo on 100% agree I trust them I'm sure they have something good up their sleeves but I have no fucking idea what it is because they zag when everyone else zigs they just they do their own thing and they don't give a shit what everyone else does they just don't they don't care but in this case, they're brilliant marketers. So, yep. Uh, and then finally, Nintendo acknowledges and apologizes for Joy-Con drift, says Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. This came during an investor call where somebody asked about Joy-Con drift, and they just said, "Yes, we're very sorry for it." <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. And they did say that, like, because of the ongoing class action lawsuit, we don't feel like we can comment on it here on the call. But like, they acknowledge that it's a thing, and they apologized. Uh, which I feel like even that much during a lawsuit is probably the, something that their legal people were like, oh, God, why did you just say yeah, that? Yeah, no. Like, why did you admit guilt? Oh, yeah, if I were suing them, I would be like, case in point, they apologized. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's good for them to have apologized. To be fair, though, I really don't know what else they can do for consumers. They're already replacing all Joy-Cons for free if it's suffering from the drift issue. They're doing that 100% for free. Are they really going to change the Joy-Con drift design and tell us about it? I don't think they would do that. I don't think they'd make an announcement and say, by the way, all future Joy-Cons coming out won't have this issue anymore because you made these adjustments. I don't know if they can say that think... yet. Like, yeah. I don't know if they physically have a Joy-Con that doesn't drift yet because there have still been people who, there have been stories from people who have sent in their Joy-Cons, gotten them back, and then the new ones get Joy-Con drift. Or people who have oh, Nintendo this- Switch lights that the same technology that went in to build it, they still get Joy-Con drift in their lights. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if they've they figured out why Joy-Con drift happens or how to fix it yet, so they can't say, going forward, you will never see this as an issue, but if you do experience it, we'll swap it out for free. And they also can't say they're working on something because then they're going to get constantly nagged. So when's that solution coming out? So right. when's that solution coming out? Should they I not buy Joy-Cons now? And should I wait until whatever happens? Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like the best thing for them to do is to quietly fix this. Don't make any public announcements about it. But just any future Joy-Con someone buys would have the new component inside of it. Any replaced Joy-Con is going to have the new thing inside of it. And then at some point, it just won't be a problem anymore. And it probably won't happen before Switch 2 comes out. So <laughs> Probably not. We'll see, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, like, they apologize. That's great. I, I, I feel like they've handled it as good as they could possibly handle it. Yeah. That might be an unpopular opinion. I don't know. But I, I think they're fine. Don't know. Before we move on to our main quest, talking about game prices and NBA 2K21... I'm going to tell you about Affable Idiots. Specifically NBA 2K21. Specifically. Lots, 
So lots of thoughts on there that. There's so much going on with that. But before we find out what that is, <laughs> Apple Needs is the new brand under which our products and podcasts uh, will live, like Respawning Fire. Our other show, AAWY, and also with you, where today we talked about building our own dream house and what that might look like. Spoilers, it has a curly straw fire pole that goes from every single room and it's one-time use. <laughs> that, um, and much more to come. We have a lot of other things that we would like to do. But we need your support, and that starts with the free way for you to do that, by going to all of our YouTube channels and hitting subscribe on them. And that allows us to get vanity names, youtube.com slash affabilities, youtube.com slash Fire. So please do that. We are about a quarter of the way there for Respawn Name Fire. We are about a sixth of the way there for AAWI, and I haven't even checked affabilities. But we need it. So please go there. We've made it easy for you. Go to our description on this podcast, click the links, hit subscribe. I don't even give a fuck if you turn off notifications. Like, do whatever you want. Just give us the subscribe. And then next, please go to any podcast service that you are listening to right now. Give us a like on there. Five star, most wanted, 100%, top five. Do it. Rate us really highly. And uh, and in return, we will smile when we read your review because we I honestly do read all of them and uh, they make me smile. Because we are still right now five stars, but we need more reviews. It gets us more visibility, allows us to have more lifelong friends, allows us to have more patrons at patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. This is where you can go to support us monetarily. If you're like, man, I have this $1,200 check that came from the government and I still haven't burned <laughs> through it yet. I want to give a dollar a month to these yahoos. Well, you can do that at patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. You can get dope wallpapers, which we've had going for the last year, and you get all of those. Uh, you can get to play with us weekly on game nights, which we have on Thursday and Fridays. We are picking back up. Am I, am I prematurely announcing this? Nintendo night is coming back this Friday. Oh, it's coming back this Friday. Yeah. That's okay. Totally Nintendo night is coming back this Friday. We have uh, our regular game nights as well on Thursdays. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Oh God. Tacos. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then you also get to vote on our barf game each month. So as we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, you all voted what game we should be playing from the past that we should have played earlier, that we want to catch up on, that we want to re-experience, and that is Fable Anniversary this month for the month of July. Play that with us. Anyone can play it. Please send us your thoughts. We love hearing other people's talk about it. Uh, we love whenever we have people on the show talking about it too. We had for Alan Wake last month, we had Trevor on it. And thank God he was here because that provided a positive point of view about the game that I, like, I had a very negative view. Holden had a positive view. We canceled each other out. And then with Trevor there, it turned out overwhelmingly positive. So, also, he's just a great guy. But as you play the games, let us know whether you don't want to be on the show and you just want to write us in or you want to be like, hey, I want to be on the show. Let us know. It's great. That's it. That's all I've got to say for right now. Let's move on to our main quest. Game prices going up? Question mark? Report. Next-gen game price increased to $70, explored by publishers, says Chandler Wood at PlayStation Lifestyle. The evidence. 2K has announced that NBA 2K1 will be $70 on next-gen systems, PS5 and Xbox Series X. A couple of background things about this. Industry research firm IDG Consulting states more studios than 2K are considering the change. According to their research development, costs have increased 200% to make the games since 2005. However, the $70 price point is only a 17% increase for consumers in the same period. 
By contrast, the other entertainment industries like movie tickets, streaming, all that kind of stuff, services like Netflix have increased anywhere from 40 to 100 percent in uh, in their lifetimes as well. So this $10 change that's being made by NBA 2K2, 2K21 is one of many confusing ways that you can pay for this game as well that I feel like are just worth bringing up just because of how awful it sounds. You can buy the game when it launches in September for $60 on PS4 and Xbox One. You can buy the game when it comes out on September 4th for $100 for PS4 and Xbox One with the ability to then also play it on PS5 and Xbox Series X as well as some other digital goodies. Okay, extra, extra stuff. Is, okay. Yes. You can also buy this game for $70 by itself when it releases later on PS5 and Xbox One. Uh, sorry, Xbox Series X. There is no way if you bought the $60 game and then you decided three months later, man, you know what? I did end up getting a PS5. Is there a way that I can upgrade to the PS5 version? You cannot upgrade that version without paying an additional $70 for the game. Unless you paid $100 ahead of time, in which case that gets you the PS5 version as well, in addition to the goodies. Or you can pay $120, I believe it was, for the PS5 plus the goodies version. That's fucking bullshit. Yes. It's, it's horrible. Yes. And this is why Microsoft has smart delivery. Exactly. <laughs> yes. This is why smart delivery exists to keep headaches like this from happening. I when I first heard this story and it was like it's 60 you can buy it for 60 bucks on current gen, you can buy it for 70 bucks on the next gen. I immediately thought, okay, they're doing the the upgrade thing that they did for PS4. Buy Diablo 3 on PS3, pay $10 to upgrade it to the PS4 version. Uh and they, there were a whole host of games that did that cross-gen stuff last year but no this is completely different you pay $60 and you're locked in and then you pay an additional $70 if you want to play it here or you pay us a hundred bucks months in advance before you get to the PS5 version at all that's gonna backfire I, I I'm I don't know I feel like that's that there's no way they don't change that before the release date like actually all right fine we'll do a $10 upgrade fee like I don't, I don't know, like that seems ridiculous because that's well the the upgrade is part of the allure of the hundred dollar version like mm -hmm. they are selling that hundred dollar version first saying you get the ps5 version when it comes out at no extra cost well quote no extra cost 40 extra dollars and then you yeah. also get these extra bonus goodies like the reversible case and additional character or whatever um but what I feel like this this is coming from the same company. This is the same one. I think it was two years ago when they launched the 2K game, and they were charging you to change the hairstyle of your like it was a dollar fifty to change the hairstyle oh, yeah. on your character. Like this is a company that is always trying to get the most money out of you, and now they're doing this. It's it's impossible to follow it. It's impossible to follow all the different ways to buy this game. But that's not really what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about the seventy dollar part of this. $70 being the new standard, or at least the standard people are trying to explore going into next gen. How do we feel about it? Is it really going to happen? My initial thought is that, as you brought up smart delivery, that is an obstacle to this happening. The existence of smart delivery in itself says, if you paid $60 for the game on the current gen, then for free you get it on the next one. So I feel like until we start seeing enough time go by where we're not seeing cross-gen games anymore 
so maybe a year or two into the cycle, that's when I think we'll see our first opportunity for games to, in a, in a wide way, start being $70 across the board. But because of smart delivery and that that whole concept, I think it's not going to be 70 at launch, with the exception of maybe some specifically next-gen games. Like maybe Resident Evil Village will be. Um, maybe Sony first-party ones will be. But I, I 100% think we are long overdue for $70 games, $80 games even, uh, mm-hmm. just because of it, the rising cost of them. Even Sean Layden came out a couple of weeks ago after The Last of Us 2 came out and said, like, it is unsustainable. AAA games right now are unsustainable. The way that the costs are piling up, the length of them, they're always trying to stretch out to be really long experiences, and that just, like, exponentially increases the cost to make them. But the $60 price point hasn't moved in almost two decades. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying there, uh, especially the sports delivery. Like, what are they going to do? Say, if you buy Halo Infinite on Xbox One for $60, it also is the Series X version. But if you decide to buy it the Series X version only, then that's $70. Like, there's no way that could ever pan out. That'd be really strange, super con- more confusing than NBA 2K21. <laughs> It'd be very strange. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, th- it's clearly not going to be the case for every game but yeah like what's going to happen with resident evil 8 what's going to happen with ghostware tokyo what's going to happen with like the ps5 next gen games i think those are all great questions we, we don't know and i think the conversation of increasing the standard price is a necessary one i mean do we want less microtransactions or do we want, do we want more microtransactions because people really fucking hate microtransactions it seems like and how do you combat that do you got to pay more for your game but I think that's something else that's been kind of naturally occurring is the destandardization of game prices. Why do we have to have a standard price for games? Indie games kind of fall in that 15 to 25 sometimes $30 range. You have the AA games like, you know, Hellblade, that came out, that was $40 when that came out. Ratchet & Clank, that, the, that, um, uh, the remake on ps4 that was also 40 dollars like when that came out. So there's, there's room for variability in, in, in game pricing. And, I feel comfortable saying, hey, why know what? Cyberpunk 2077. I know that's a extremely... Obviously, this could be a $60 game, obviously. But like hypothetically, if they said, hey, this is a $90 game, that's a lot of money. But I'm also going to spend so much more time in this game. And the investment that, that CD Projekt Red put into making that game is substantial. We don't have standard prices for card games and board games. It's a variable price depending on a number of factors. Like you can buy really cheap poker cards. You can also buy really nice, you know, kind of fancier poker cards that are like waterproof or something like that or better material. Like there's a variety in prices for all those kind of games. Otherwise, why do we have it so fixed in video games? I feel like I'm totally fine with some games being 60, some being 100, some being 15. Like, I'm comfortable with that. I think that's totally fine. The challenge is, though, is how do you market that? How do you come out and say, hey, Fallout 5 is coming out, and this is going to be a $100 game? Um, I think, honestly, I think that's kind of where we need to go. Because thinking about issues like crunch and things like that, like, we can't delay this game because we have to... Um, so we're going to crunch instead. That's to keep the cost down on that game so that they can still make money off $60. Well, if you know you're making Red Dead Redemption 3 and it's going to be an insanely huge game, maybe just knowing that you're going to charge $100 for that game at the beginning of it can help set you up for a longer development time without the need for crunch whenever things kind of go haywire. I think that could also be a factor as well. Um, yeah, 
I, I think this is go higher than 70 if necessary. Yeah. Some games I think warrant it. I think the the um, the standardization of the price is something that for a, it comes with the fact that video games for a long time in their history were chasing movies. Yep. Like, they were trying to be a cinematic experience. They were trying, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, playing this game! It looks just like a movie. It looks like something I would see on my TV." Shut up! You play games on your TV. I'm an idiot. Anyway, but they were chasing meant, movies yeah. and movies Man, traditionally. Crash Bandicoot, just like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> So, and movies have traditionally been like movie tickets for a long time. They were like 10 to $12. Now they're more like 15 to 18, depending on where you live or something like that. But there's a relatively standard accepted price that you're willing to pay to see a movie in theaters. And there's an accepted mm-hmm. price you're willing to pay if you want to rent a movie or buy it on Blu-ray or something like that. Uh, and I think the standardization of game prices try to like almost emulate emulate that a little bit we want to be like movies we're going to be like that in every facet and there's when you buy a game you can expect it to be this much money because that's what a game means just like that's what a movie means if it's a shitty b movie and it comes out first on blu-ray it's still probably going to be 20 bucks on blu-ray and when avengers comes out on blu-ray it's probably still going to be 20 bucks doesn't matter the quality between the two but what i love is that as we become as we evolve as an industry and as like the interactive part of like interactive media itself means so many different things now. And with the indie game boom that happened in the last like decade and a half, really we're, we are, as you mentioned, starting to explore that a little bit more. And I think we're starting to break free from that model. And so I think this is, as we've said a hundred times now, the appropriate place for us to start going, explore that scale. Uh, and $70 is just the price point or just the start of it. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I don't think the immediate future is where we're going to see this change happen just because no, of smart no. delivery and because of uh, once we're established in this next gen thing and we start seeing different types of experiences, I think we're going to start to see this break free of that mold because video games itself is starting to even become its own medium. People are talking about it in a different way. Like gamer doesn't mean the same thing now that it meant 10 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think we're, I think we're going to start to evolve past that and it, it might ostracize some people. Like people who were saying like $60 is a lot for me to buy a game. I can only buy a few a month or a few, I'm sorry, a few a year. Uh, this might mean that, yeah, you play fewer games, unfortunately, or you have to wait until they're um, used at GameStop for the next year or two until they die. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the reality is we need to be paying our developers more to decrease things like crunch to pay for all of the good things that we want to see in our games, that we demand the quality that we demand from our games, that we have to be paying them more. And this is uh, 100% the way to do it, unless you want more nickel and diming microtransactions for haircuts. Yeah, no, exactly. And I also think that it would also... like Take Naughty Dog, for example. Naughty Dog can make The Last of Us Part Two a super refined experience with extremely detailed and intricate animations and texture work and all that stuff, all those heavy details, like the glass shattering and how that sounds, all those small things can happen because they have a huge budget. They know they're going to have the, the audience. They, it's not as much of a risk for them to make that move, but there's kind of like an inequality in, in gaming there where someone coming into the scene who wants to make a 3d game, can't necessarily do those things but if they wanted to they could they just have to spend more time in development more time working with a smaller team and they might then be able to say hey we're going to charge 80 dollars for a game because we wanted to make something that lived up to that standard but we know that we can't charge 60 dollars for it and make money off of it but we could charge 80 like they could also open up and see different kind of avenues come up there too and i think we're getting to a point where 
an indie developer can do a lot more with a 3D game. I mean, look at that, like, um, uh, was it the, what was it called? Bright Memory Infinite at the Xbox event, which looked, it was the best looking game at that event. Easily. And it was made by, like, one dude. And he probably just spent an insane amount of time on it. And that's why it looks that good. Um, so I think, like, there's a lot that can happen there. But again, like, you're right with that set. It's probably going to be a $70 change initially. And then it's going to take a big prominent developer to come out and make the move. Yeah. I th- It'd have to be, like, a Bethesda or a CD Projekt Red or a Naughty Dog. or so. It'd have to be a huge developer like that where someone... If I found out Last of Us Part 3 is going to cost $100, it'd be hard to swallow the pill at first because it's a big change, but I would absolutely do it. And for the people who want to wait, like all games, the price will go down eventually. If you don't want to spend $100, like you can get Uncharted 4 right now for 20 bucks. You can get Last of Us Remastered for 20 bucks. Like Those prices go down. Yep. Um. Yeah. What do you guys think? Interesting transitional period. What do you guys think? You willing to pay seventy bucks for a game? You think it's gonna go more? You want to pay more? A, a, a weird thought that doesn't really apply, but I feel like now that I've had the thought, I have to say it. It's kind of like universal healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's, it's follow me on this. Follow me on this. So universal healthcare, like we pay a little bit more in taxes every year, so that we offset the cost mm-hmm. for other people and everyone can get treatment for things. Yeah. If we all pay ten dollars more for a video game in exchange for the creators of the video game being able to see their families and not go to therapy and things like that. I think that's worth it for us to to be able to create a better environment for our developers by paying by everyone paying a little bit more for the game. I think that's worth it. I don't think so. I'm Scrooge McDuck, and I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> so, yes, then I there are people who are opposed to universal health care, which I assume would also be opposed to the higher price of games. I don't know. I'm just making a, a correlation there. Um that's it. Uh, Dallas says, definitely willing to drop $70 on the game. I also just dropped $70 on an expansion to Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> I had the option to buy a $40 version or a 70 and I decided, you know what? It's worth $70 to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. That's the other part of it, too. How much money do you think someone has, like, some people have spent on Fortnite? Yeah. For example. I have spent over $200 on Pokemon Go. Yeah. <laughs> And that's Pokemon Go, which, yeah. like, would you ever, would you, if Pokemon Go costs $60, would you ever pay $60 for Pokemon Go? Never. If it costs $60 for the game that it is today, and I knew how much I would get out of it, yes, I would have paid $60 for it. If that also came with all the incubators that I bought and all of the, <laughs> like, yeah, all the extras that I bought. Way more. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. So that's the end of our main quest discussion. We are going, for the first time in three weeks, to move on to Game On Game Show. The game on our game show where we play a game called Game On. We game, 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 game. For the epic return of Game On Game Show, we have an epic return of video game Would You Rather. Yeah. We've got three scenarios. Every time I do this, it makes the whole world earthquake. The world turns upside down. Um, Three games. What am I fucking talking about? Three scenarios based around video games, that we have to decide which would be the one we would like to take. Starting with the most tame of all of them, these don't really get too crazy, but the most tame of all of them, Holden, would you rather only have PlayStation Now for the, for the foreseeable future or only have Xbox Game Pass for the foreseeable future? Which service would you rather only have? You cannot buy games a la carte. Here's where this is tough. My 
initial thought is twofold. It's a double-edged sword. Sony has the better exclusive games that, for me. But they're usually not always on PlayStation now. But Xbox has all the games in the, their first-party catalog all the time. And I have confidence those are going to get better. And I'm going to start liking those first-party games a lot. In the same ways I really like the Sony first-party games. But that's hypothetical. I don't know. On one, I'm hypothetically hoping that Microsoft has better games on the first-party lineup going forward. And the other, I'm hypothetically hoping that the games that I want to be uh, from Sony's first-party catalog are actually on PS Now and playable. I don't know. But I'm going to go with Game Pass because I already pay for that one and I don't pay for PS Now. So I guess it kind of is like I've made my decision already. (laughs) So I'm going to go with Game Pass. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, kind of those same kind of things. PlayStation Now... They do eventually get first party. Like, they're starting to support that more. They do eventually get first parties, but there's still multiple years. Like, they just got God of War and they just got Spider Man a few, like, early, late 2019. But those games were already over a year old by that point and they were only on there for three months at a time. So it's mm-hmm. not like, like, if you want to play these really great games, which do appeal to me more, you've got a very closed, like, small window to do it. But that being said, the catalog on PlayStation now is over 700 games versus just over 100 on Game Pass. But, counterpoint, Game Pass usually has the better third-party titles. Like, they have Red Dead Redemption 2 right now. They have... Uh, I'm, uh, sorry, I said better third-party titles, and then I mentioned Red Dead Redemption 2 right next to that. Those are unrelated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was just a jab for Dallas. Dallas, cover your ears. You didn't hear that. <laughs> um, but they have that. They have Devil May Cry. They have uh devil may cry 5 they have a a bunch of games from third parties that are usually pretty timely on there as well they have Mm -hmm. gta 5 i think is on xbox game pass right now as well um metro exodus your favorite there's that (laughs) but then at the same time like the same conversation we were having like a half hour ago where when i think about the best games i played over the last generation none of those games are on xbox game pass so it's like, do I want to have a pretty good experience for the foreseeable future consistently? Or do I want to have a really good experience in very short windows and then a shitty experience the rest of the time? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I would choose PS Now. I think that's it. But here's the thing. Which one are you paying for right now and why? I'm paying for Xbox Game Pass because I found a deal and I'm only paying for it because of Alan Wake and Fable Anniversary. And then I won't be paying for it again. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, in Fair. celebration of Iron Man VR, which other of these Marvel VRs would you like to see? Nick Fury VR or Pepper Potts <laughs> VR? <laughs> Pepper Potts, that's, um, that's uh, the, married to that's Tony Gwyneth Stark. That's Gwyneth Paltrow, right? yes. Mar- Tony Stark's okay. wife. Leader of uh, <laughs> Stark Industries and eventually, very late in the game, becomes uh, Lady Iron Man. I'm going to pick Pepper Potts for one very important reason. Because you want to fuck Tony Stark. I get it. I no. get it. Dude is handsome. Because I'd have both eyes, <laughs> and that's important in VR. Yes, I was 100% going to bring that up. Nick Fury VR, you have no depth perception. <laughs> half, half of your already limited like view. <laughs> so I feel like you have to. Like... The game mechanics with two eyes playing as Nick Fury would obviously be better. Mm-hmm. You're talking to Avengers. You're going to cool locations. You're yelling fuck um, all the time. You're shooting yeah. things all the time. Versus Pepper Potts, where it's just like, 
Pepper, Pepper, Pepper Potts, where is Tony Stark right now? Why is the company falling apart? She's like, I, I don't know. Have you tried my new? Have you tried my new goop service? <laughs> I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Can I just share one thing I heard about Gwyneth Paltrow? I'm like, oh, I know your intentions are good, but it's so insanely yes, ignorant. Yes, please. She she did this thing where she was like, oh, I want to know what it's like to live in poverty, so I'm going to for the next month like only spend like a dollar a day or three dollars a day on on the food that I eat or something like that, and I'm like. You still live in a mansion. You still have a bank account with like crazy amounts of money. That's not what the experience is like. You clearly don't get it. Um, anyways, I had it. I can't stand with a bachelor. But she's not. She's not Pepper Potts. Pepper Potts is a character she plays. You're right. And Pepper Potts has two eyes, and that's important. That's VR, important. So. Yep. And then finally, our last. Would you rather? Would you rather have a 15 second rewind button? Think like Prince of Persia kind of thing yeah. where you can rewind 15 seconds it has unlimited uses but it has a 30 second cooldown on it that way you can't just go back in time indefinitely mm-hmm. or would you rather have five extra lives where you can die and immediately come back to life five times in your lifetime oh definitely the 15 seconds and here's why there are more moments in my life where it's like fuck i shouldn't have said that than oh man i almost died so <laughs> i'm gonna I'm gonna take the the 15 seconds to because I I would regret things more that I have said and I wanted want to take back or like ooh I didn't word that as well as I could have let me just wind back a little bit reword that with the knowledge of how poorly my wording went the first time but I've never been in life threatening situations where I'd be like oh thank God I could have just come back to life do you think you like, would take more chances and I could have lifted myself up but that's gonna hurt my arms to lift myself up when I'm <laughs> ledge. I'll just let go. And I'll just wake back up again. Do you think that if you knew you had extra lives, you would be more, you would take bigger risks? No. No? I no. think, like, so there have been times when, like, if, for instance, once in Chicago, I was walking down Ashland right by Regal Webster, and you're on the bridge, and there's a billboard just off the bridge. And you can see, like, from the top of the bridge, you're looking, and there's a ladder. And the ladder's, like eight feet away from the bridge and in my head i was thinking as i was walking with jesse he was like if Kanan were here i would jump to that ladder <laughs> just to fucking do it and climb up to the billboard and just to say i fucking did it but because he wasn't there and i didn't have the adrenaline and i knew like there's danger involved like what if i fall what if i don't get the ladder and i wouldn't have done it but had i had the extra had i known that worst case scenario i could come back to life i probably would have done it i would have had that thrill and I would have gotten a stand on a billboard, however fulfilling that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like there are enough situations like that where I would take, I would take a leap that I would like literally take a leap where I wouldn't have taken a leap before, or do things that are a little bit like I would go cliff diving or base jumping. I would do that with more, knowing that I had extra lives in the bank just in case. Here's the thing. Here's here's. I don't know. I would say consider this because it's a good point, but also think about the post-traumatic stress disorder you're going to have from knowing <laughs> what it looks like when you die. That could really fuck with you. How I, on the on the other side of the coin, the 15 second rewind. How often are you going to use this, and when are you going to start to confuse with what you did in rewound with what you ended up doing? Oh, I already have that problem because sometimes I like earlier today i was talking about last of us right before we recorded and i'm like did i tell you that about how long it took me and i couldn't remember because i had thought it but i didn't know if i had said it yet 
Um, I already deal with that. This is so just like, going to compound that. Like, this is it's going to make just, so much worse. It's just going to be something I'm already dealing with. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I, I still take the 15 seconds. Yeah. Also, I feel like it'd be like an opportunity to like learn. You could, I think, learn a lot by perceiving the world in that way. I hadn't thought about this. Does that? Does the 15 seconds also de-age you 15 seconds? Or if you use it, conti- like if you use it enough so that like you travel back in time for like a year's worth of time total, are you a year older when everyone you shouldn't have been? I mean, technically speaking, I don't know. I guess if you're traveling back in time, right, all of your molecules that make up your body would also be going back in time. So if they had aged 15 seconds, they would de-age 15 seconds. That blows my mind. Does Hermione Granger, when she uses the time turner to go back in time and take multiple classes at once, is she now basically, because she's doing it for hours at a time. Yeah. Is she older now because of it? Is that why I was so attracted to her? Because she looked like that hot older woman (laughs) as a kid? Is Hermione... Everything I know is a lie. Although everything I already knew about time turners was a lie thanks to Harry Potter and the Cursed Child and her rewriting history and how that all works, but... I haven't even I don't know. read the play yet. They basically... That's, the a deep, whole, that's a deep philosophical question. The whole play is about... is centered around the technology of time turners. And in the original series, time turners, you go back in time and you take an alternate path, do, take another class, do something else, but your original timeline is still affected by what you're doing. So, for mm-hmm. instance, when they go to Free Buckbeak and they throw the rock, or Hermione throws the rock to get their attention, so they run and they see the people coming, like ah, or you hear Harry making the noise, uh, or no, somebody somebody makes the werewolf noise to scare somebody off, or and he's, like they're yeah. still interacting with each other. But then come Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, they're like the whole thing has to do with time turners, and also you can go back in time and change thing, and and they did like they were making changes to the timeline where they obviously weren't there in the original time like they were calling back to the events of the goblet of fire and that triwizard tournament and they were changing things about it and i'm like bitch that didn't happen like that to begin with which means you were definitely not there that's not how time turners work oh that would really piss me off yeah i shouldn't read i shouldn't read the play but the stage production you if you had the opportunity to go see both parts of the stage production the actual like magic of the production itself is mind-blowing it's amazing but this is not a Harry Potter stage podcast. This is a video game podcast. And that brings us to the end of Game on Game Show and the end of episode 168 of Respawn Aim Fire. You have several tasks to do. Go home. Stay there. Wear your mask. Those are your tasks. But if you'd like to go the extra mile, go to patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. Download your wallpapers. Play with us. Uh, go to YouTube. Subscribe to all of our channels. Keep an eye out for new content coming. And keep an eye out for Holden's thoughts on The Last of Us Part 2. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next week, here's our usual sign-off. My friend Pedro stars a banana. That's it. That's what I got. That's still up on my screen from earlier. <laughs> <laughs>